Mm. Coffee's just right this morning. Blessings and blessings. There's a lot of new followers and new beautiful souls I'm connecting with these days. And I want to take a moment and share just about the Rise Journal, the journal that I created um, and just released a little over a month ago. And share about the power of journaling and what journaling means to me and how this whole thing came about. I guess I'll start about 20 years ago. <laughs> When I was um, in college, going through a breakup, my first real big breakup and having difficulty finding relief, couldn't sleep, a lot of stress, anxiety, and um, there were different people in my life, you know, just like, oh, journaling, you should try journaling, you know, they didn't know what exactly I was going through, they, it just kind of came in and every time it came into my... Um, view it was just loud loud is the word I use when feels like intuition um, is really turning my focus to a certain idea or image and but I was very much in denial about it I was like mm, I don't know if journaling is my thing it's a lot of people who journal and you know at the time I'm like oh, man men don't journal that whole thing was in that idea and um, about a week or so later, I woke up in the middle of the night. Well, I wasn't sleeping. I just got out of bed and felt drawn to write. So I grabbed, you know, my college rule notebook and just started writing everything that was on my mind, everything I was feeling, everything that I didn't know how to express. I did my best just to write it on the page. And as I wrote, I just felt like I was getting lighter and finally by the end of it I took like this deep sigh of relief it's probably like 20 pages of just ideas and anxious rambling and I felt like I, I was lighter I could sleep and I just kind of got back in bed and knocked out the best sleep I've had at that point for several months and that started my journey with journaling and it opened me up to the idea that our, our words have power especially the written word you know we live in an age that's very digital and we can type and um, it's great it's convenient it's quicker but there's something um, about the methodical act of handwriting those feelings and actually seeing those transition onto the page without the screen, right? Because even the light of the screen, you know, isn't the best for our eyes. And that process got me thinking about well, what else can journaling do? Now I feel lighter. I don't know what happened. I didn't follow any guidebook, any rule book, but um, something changed. And I just began to write more and more. It's like, okay, well, Whatever this, whatever's happening, it's, it's doing something, it's working, it's feeling lighter and easier. And I began to write more. Asking questions, learning how to ask better questions of myself, of my heart space. And then learning how to hold space for my heart's wisdom to speak. Because um, I found that as I wrote, 
there were so many incoherences between what I wanted and how I was showing up in my life. Um, you know, very, very common one. Um, I was studying music at the time. And so it's like, oh, I want to be this great musician, this great guitar player. And realizing, you know, my hurdles to actually getting in the practice room um, to the level of all of the great guitar players that I knew, which were practicing way, way more intensely than I was at the time. And then recognizing as I would, you know, get more intentional with my questions and be more vulnerable with myself that I had some unworthiness issues, some self-doubt, some self-sabotage going on from some old hurt, fear, and harsh critique that I was still um, cycling within myself. So, you know, like working through that and like ironing out where did that come from? Maybe it came from an early childhood performance or um, a very critical um, teacher who meant well, but it just wasn't the best approach for me because as an empath and as an introvert, you know, right we are very sensitive we absorb the light and the energy um, very intensely and so many times we need a more delicate touch and so giving myself that delicate touch you know in the journal after i learned something new about myself i would empower myself um, with intentions and affirmations i learned about intention through gary zukov's book seat of the soul um, learned about that book from Oprah and how it's always on her bedside and um, just something that she always checks in with, you know. And it resonated deeply and so I incorporated that practice into everything that I do. And over time it became what is now the RISE Journal, um, which is an acronym that basically stands for RELEASE, which is essentially what I did that the first time. Um, it's a stream of consciousness writing where you just let every feeling and thought out without judgment. The whole point is to shift your energy and release all of the ideas and emotions that are just kind of keeping you in an anxious state or a low vibe so that you have a clear canvas for the day. Because we're always exchanging energy, we're always having emotional exchanges and a lot of ideas and our day-to-day -day responsibilities can well up and we get overwhelmed and then we don't have a clear head to actually think about how do I actually feel? These are all the things I have to do. These are all the things I need to, you know, think about and process to get life done and that's fine. But what am I doing for myself, like for my heart? How am I making sure that I am okay with me? So the release, like clearing that canvas, clearing a space for yourself. And then the inquiry is asking heart, H-E-A-R-T, questions. Sometimes they can be hard, H-A-R-D, questions, but um, just consciously asking the right questions, which is why I say heart, because many times we, you know, there's other practices where you can process other areas of your life and logistical things, but when it comes to knowing yourself, I feel like the foundation is in the heart, right? The heart developed before the mind. It is the intelligence that keeps you alive, even if you're in a coma, even if you're asleep, um, before you even had eyes, right? And so there's a wisdom there that is innate to who you are that we want to learn to tap into, learn to hear the voice of our heart um, or your intuition or your guides or God or your spirit, um, your conscious, 
your conscience, um, whatever, you know, language most deeply resonates with you. I, I like heart because I feel like it gets to the core of the issue for many of us. It's emotion. It's our feelings. Um, they get in the way. I learned in um, Joe Dispenza's book, I think, Becoming Supernatural, states that 95% of the time we're operating from our subconscious mind. So all the stories that we tell ourselves in our conscious mind, oh, I'm this way, I'm that way, even when people are reflecting back to us that we are otherwise, right? And we ignore it. <laughs> um, is, is not totally accurate when we say those things, right? And it's because we have these blind spots and um, they're hidden behind the depth and breadth of our emotional awareness. And so getting in touch with our feelings, our heart, and trying to understand um, more consciously where those things come from is what journaling provided. Because I think in our day-to-day -day life, we struggle with a safe space to be vulnerable, to be honest and go, you know what, I really don't know about this area of myself, or maybe I'm not that good at that. And we don't feel safe to share that with certain individuals because maybe they don't know how to hold space for that, right? So I feel like the safe space of the page where it's just you and the ink and the paper um, really provides a soft place to land and to process and to actually be yourself and build up the courage and the confidence and the understanding to, over time, just make the next right step day by day. What did I learn about myself today, right? At that time, it was me processing some hurdles to my music, which was actually connected to really some deep inner child stuff and my family and my parents and my father, who was also a musician, and some of the um, discord in that relationship. So, like, really taking the moment, taking a moment to check in and get clear with myself, like, what's going on? Um, that goes a long way because bit by bit we get to course correct, right? I think many of us are on this path that others have set for us and it's not our path. It's just a path that society deems is widely accepted in one way or another. We're constantly asking others, are we doing life right, right? Are we, is this who you think I am? And nobody knows. <laughs> no one can tell you that. That's between you and you you and divine, your, your connection to something higher, um, wherever you originated, whatever your belief is around that. But me, I couldn't tell you with any certainty. I can reflect back what I see. I can point you back inwards, but only you will know that. And so you have to develop a safe space, which journaling can provide, um, to actually get clear what do I really want? When no one else is around, when there isn't any outside influence or projection, what's really true for me? And then when you get that answer, you have to go deeper still <laughs> and go, why is that true? And then to understand, is that what was in me? Is that like innate as the development of my heart that started before my mind? Or is that an early childhood seed planted by parents that isn't serving me. Some of those things are really wonderful. I'm very thankful for those seeds. But not all of them are going to resonate with who you are now as an adult who can reflect back more clearly. So to get clear, if all of these things are really serving your highest good, 
all of these things, are they really serving who you are on a soul level? Do they really resonate beyond the default mode network, right? It's set by the age of seven, all these things we, all the images we received, all the ways we processed and we're in our survival instinct, um, set up a default way of becoming and being in this world. And so now it's like as an, an adult, we recognize some of these things aren't working. And the journal has been uh, an amazing way to reconnect to my truth and um, self-actualize. So you release, you inquire, ask heart questions. You hold space for those answers from your heart, which is what the S is about, self-awareness, um, which is also why I... Um, share this practice as a meditative journaling practice, meaning to become familiar, to hold space, to be in an uncomfortable space. Um, so much of our issue along with the emotions is that we become our emotions. We don't know how to regulate very well. It's not something that we're taught. Um, and so we have to find the tools on our own at this point. Thankfully, because of the internet, um, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of ways to get connected, a lot of practitioners. And um, mindfulness is becoming more and more popular, more and more mainstream, which is a great thing. Um, so, meditative journaling. You release, then you ask of your heart what question is most resonant, what feels loudest, like getting clear with the voice of your heart. Take a moment to breathe, right? Just micro meditation. Three deep breaths with a conscious intention to be available to witness what you've never witnessed before about yourself so that you may heal and grow. And then the empower phase, which is all about setting conscious intention, a state of being, right? That's resonant with who you are and what you know about yourself. And um, affirmations that support that state of being. So for me, with all that I create at this point in my journey is my intention is to be a condu conduit for grounding, healing, and transformation. Um, and that's my intention. That's a state of being, just making myself available, right? Like how can I be used to help ground, of course, myself, but also all of those who I interact with. It's, it's a global intention, but also bring more healing and also support transformation. And I use the word conduit intentionally. I don't want to transform you. I wanna be a support for your transformation. It's a very conscious intention. And then what are the affirmations that support that intention? The I am, the creative empowered statements. So one could be I am a safe space. I am a compassionate friend. I am a great listener. I am a open facilitator, right? It would look something like that. So trying to find your conscious intention and your conscious information. And I do this daily. I think it's important to have a practice of that because what happens throughout our life unconsciously as we're going, the world is projecting all of their unconscious intentions and affirmations on us, right? They're telling us we are lesser than, they're telling us, that we don't deserve to be seen. And we're receiving those messages and taking them in 
unconsciously and they're there. And so we really have to make sure that each day you release, let those things go, go into your practice, and then come out and empower yourself. And go, you know, none of that's true. That's somebody else's idea, somebody else's unconscious hurt or pain that is blocking their growth. And now they're projecting it onto me because they see they are seeing the world as they are. And so getting clear about yourself and really seeing yourself. When you, when you actually see yourself, you become more self-actualized. And you recognize, recognize <laughs> that I am worthy. I am loved by myself. I'm loved by source, right? And I deserve to honor my gifts, my passions, and to reconnect with my purpose, right? And I deserve joy. And so once you know that you deserve those things, you naturally have a different disposition as you move throughout your life. You naturally set up firmer boundaries wherever you go, right? And sometimes it's just in your energy, right? You can tell if someone walks in a room that they're kind of have, have a low vibe, a low self-perception. They're shrinking their bodies physically. It's a manifestation of their emotional state. In the same way, right, all of the brighter, higher vibrations also manifest themselves in a physical state. So, I encourage people with this practice, and I also want to encourage people to kind of let go of the pill for every ill, kind of like fast food mentality around wellness, well-being, and transformation. Um, I mean, you can get an idea fast, but the integration to work through your default mode network, connect to the fact that there are neurons firing and wiring together. Practice it enough to let those things go create space and actually retrain those mentally it takes time everything else on this planet has a natural pace a natural evolutionary pace of change the seasons even the light throughout the day the sunrise to the sunset and so do we right different stages of life different stages of our anatomical development our mental development and Transformations take time. And so I'm saying this and I'm adding it, adding to this because I get messages all the time. How do I, you know, get to this thing quick? How do I do this quick? And that's your anxiety speaking because you don't know how to sit with your suffering and you see it as a problem instead of an opportunity and a lesson. Right? So like recognizing this, this truth that I read in um, a Thich Nhat Hanh book. I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, transformed my life. And it was that all suffering comes from misunderstanding or not understanding. So if in the moment of your hurt, in the moment of your turmoil, you can get grounded enough, maybe make that emotion a bit lighter and simply ask, what is it I am not understanding? What is it I am not seeing? What's in my blind spot? If you can step out of your ego and quit projecting your hurt onto the other, even though they may have played a role, but taking responsibility for what you have control over and just ask humbly and recognize that, you know, I don't know something right now because I'm on an unconscious pattern of hurt and suffering. But just to hold space for yourself and seek. And oftentimes there'll be a very simple answer that will arise when your disposition changes, when what you're focusing on 
changes. So it's like asking the right questions, right? Inquiry. Inquiry. <laughs> um, so when you get to really tune in to yourself in a new way, and I've been doing this practice 16, 17 years now. It's been an intuitive unfolding because as I listened to myself, more and more things came and I was able to access um, just what resonated for me. And it's been really beautiful to see that this practice is also resonating with so many of you and hearing your stories and even the beautiful um, candid moments of your surprise that something so simple as asking, how is my heart? What is my heart longing for? What is it I need to know about myself today? And recognizing right that we're not machines <laughs> every day is different and so that's why it's important to check in every day because even if you're turning your awareness the volume of your awareness up in one area of your life there's probably another area that still needs some light shit on it and maybe it's you're you're not ready to go there yet so it's your you know your awareness is not being turned there so as you get strong in one area then you slowly turn to the other areas and it's a cycle because you're going to continue to evolve in an upward spiral, right? Same circumstances, the same tricky difficulties between um, those people in your life that um, are working through their own healing process and your ability to show up in honor of your truth while having a healthy sense of boundaries, responsibility to self and other, while not being responsible for their emotional state. And transforming maybe from an unhealthy dynamic like enabling to an empowering empowering <laughs> dynamic like standing in your truth and claiming it and saying it with love not incendiary not argumentative but clear statements firm bounded in love and compassion for yourself and understanding that the other is also hurting but it's no longer beneficial for you to be the peacekeeper, the doormat, the self-sacrificer. It's only furthering a pattern that is causing so much toxicity. And now is the time to step in being a peacemaker, or in the, as the Buddhists like to say, stepping out of idiot compassion into true compassion, which I love that. <laughs> um, so that essentially is the power of journaling, at least in my experience. Um, and I hope that the Rise Journal will resonate with you all in your journeys and as you are navigating whatever is coming up in your life right now. Um, because I've recognized as I continue to do my own healing work, I reached a point where I know that now it's my time to give back. I've done a lot of this in my own space for so long. And over the last couple of years, I've transitioned to a more public setting where I'm sharing. And the thing is, our healing doesn't come in a vacuum. But many times we try to heal other people intentionally and go through all of this effort when we ourselves are still working through a lot of heaviness. I'm not saying we'll totally be rid of it because that's a part of life. We're always here to experience growth, suffering, shiny, low, dark, all of the cycle. And it continues, but it's an upward spiral. Um, but what I am saying is, I think there's an old scripture that says, first pull the plank out of your own eye, right, before you point the finger at another. And I found that in any situation, if I'm feeling some hurt, then that's my hurt to deal with. 
right? So maybe I need to take a, a, a beat back for myself and try to iron out why that's coming up and how that's coming up. And then when I'm more grounded and clear within myself, I can iron out what I want to um, change or evolve or how I want to approach whatever the, the dynamic is between myself and the other. So that is really where I've been for the last 15 years, the last two years, um, sharing more publicly, becoming a certified meditation teacher and um, sharing with heart-centered living coaching. Um, it's, it's not something that you actually need me for. If you want help implementing some of these ideas, then you can you know, sign up for a coaching session or a coaching package where we'll work together for several months. But I really want to emphasize it's, it's, it's something you can do on your own, and I encourage you to do it on your own. Um, it might take more time because there will be blind spots, but there's a beauty in that practice. But if you want some support and want to get there quicker or, or, or are experiencing a lot of heaviness, please reach out to me or to someone else if that resonates. Um, because at my heart is that we all get the support we need and find the right tools that help us navigate what's happening emotionally for all of us. Because I feel like the next stage in our journey is an emotional evolution. The way we feel, process, and engage with our energy and motion, right? It's kind of the thread through between the body, the mind, and the spirit is emotion. It's like we can shift our energy with thought, with heart, or if our body's in a certain space, well-nourished or malnourished, that will transition our emotional moods and the way we can perceive the world. So, at this point in my journey, being um, more vibrant than I've ever been, I recognize it's now time to just embody that energy. And that is how healed people heal people by simply being in that energy, being in that space. So it's really a gift to be able to connect with you all on social media, share the micro meditation in the morning, how's your heart, and a blessing and intention for the day. And I encourage you to do the same for yourself and find a practice. If the Rise Journal resonates, you wanna try it. There's links on my website, but there's plenty of other practices out there. I just want you to find something that resonates. If what you've been doing doesn't work anymore, doesn't resonate anymore, experiment. Find a new practice. Hmm. So, I think that's all I have to say about journaling this morning. But, um, I would love to hear from you. If there's anything you want to share. There's a few people trying to come in or send me some guest requests. Let me uh, get a little more coffee and we'll chit chat. Unless you guys have some questions. Maybe I'll take questions in the comments. Or if you guys would use the question box, that would probably be, be best because the comments move a little too quickly. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Does anybody know what that bird is? like a woodpecker of some kind. It's a very distinct and beautiful call.
Oh, thank you for the love. Thank you for the love, everyone. You're very kind. Okay, let's see. There's one question that comes in. Admiral Yvonne asks, this is a good question. How do we know we are healed? Um, so I'll say it like this. It's kind of a, I get that question. And sometimes it can come from that place of like just wanting to get it over with because it's not always fun, <laughs> right? Doing that deep healing. And sometimes you need to come up for air and you want to have this due date on it. I one, uh, want to acknowledge that and I and say I get that. I also want to say, I think part of it, that's why meditation is so important, is to be present with right here and right now. And recognize, even if you're still processing through something, you're human. You're experiencing human, a human, you're having a human experience. And it will always be a human experience. And what I mean by that is, in this form, there's always going to be some difficulty or some challenging things that will pop up and come into your life that may trigger old hurt or create new hurt. And so, you know, if you want to look at independent wounds, maybe you had a childhood trauma or something that happened years ago, then yes, please address that. Take care of yourself, right? With all of these things. I mean that. But I'm trying to also shape our expectations so that we don't set ourselves up for greater suffering later. And the deal is with your healing. How do you know you're healed? If you're dealing with a certain issue, maybe you had physical abuse and you go through a lot of work, maybe somatic release, maybe hypnotherapy, traditional therapy, meditation practice, retreats, and you get to a point where you can share that story and that those feelings aren't you know, triggering you and taking you back, or you can forgive that person on a certain level, and you're not no longer attached. Those those experiences aren't charged with all of those unworthy negative thoughts and low vibrations. I would say that's a certain amount of healing, but I also want to um, maybe use a physical example. Right, there's certain scars that will totally disappear are certain cuts that will totally disappear over time in our body. And there are some that will leave scars. And there's some that will um, be underneath the surf surface and have like uh, scarred muscle tissue, right? There's all kinds of wounds and uh, capacity for healing. And so some of them you might need to manage for a lifetime. And some of them will dissipate with, with much ease. And... Um, I think if you feel that you can move forward or you feel empowered from learning and experiencing whatever your process has been to work through your healing, then I think you are healed from the heaviness of that hurt. In some cases, you might be completely healed and there are things that aren't even on your radar. I have many of those things. So I think when you reach that phase where you actually have to remember that that used to be a thing, I would say that's when you're healed, or that's how you would know that you're healed. But I also want to say that that healing, <laughs> again, you're not a machine, um, you're human. 
And so there may be a lot of areas that you are very healed around that certain occurrence. But then there may be another one that pops up three years later out of nowhere. Someone says something in just a very particular way that feels like you've, you're brought right back into that. And it could be that that part never got healed, or it could be that maybe you were just been out of your practice for the last six months because you got busy, overwhelmed with other things. And so some of those old patterns that have been there longer than the new patterns you're trying to instill have taken hold. And now you have to do the work again. So I just, you know, it's, it's similar. I mean, think about, you know, if you were working out your physical body and you had certain weight goals or physical fitness goals, body mass index, whatever it may be, you can reach that, right? In six months with a certain plan. But if that plan doesn't continue beyond that six months, you might not maintain those, those physical fitness goals. And I think it's, it can be similar, not always, but it can be similar with um, many traumas and triggers. So um, I hope that helps answer your question. Let's see, oh, there's like a few more questions in here. What do we have? Zaza ask, how to use nature and the earth in daily practice and healing? I love this question, question because I've literally, um, what I call life hacked, <laughs> hacked my life so that I can do that because nature is um, a very grounding force for me. Um, I'm a Leo, I have a lot of fire in my chart. Um, I don't have much earth in my chart, so it's taken me some time to figure out how to stay grounded and being outside. I'm a nomad. I um, live in a camper. My camper is just over there. I travel all around the country um, sharing experiences and things like this. And um, nature is a very powerful healer. Um, so honestly, right, I think we all know, and maybe that's why some of you tap into my lives, just because of the sounds, the sights, right? They themselves are very grounding and very healing. And there's a reason why when you go to the spa, you hear water running, you might hear some light birds or something like that. And there's a natural frequency of nature that just kind of um, helps us realign with our true nature, which is a certain consonant state of peace. So, you know, whatever way you can access it, whatever is realistic for your life right now, um, even if you live in, you know, New York City or something, go to the park, you know, go outside of the city, 30 miles to a little quieter area, make it intentional. Um, or, you know, you can find those sounds online, right? On YouTube or buy an audio track that has the sounds of the earth. But um, much of my practice beyond the actual just osmosis effect is I love my walk. Um, I have uh, several walking meditation practices. But the most common one for me is simply um, a walking body scan. So I'll go on a hike and I'll check with my body, like checking how my neck is, how my head is, is there any tension? Some days are more detailed, some days are more broad. 
and as I'm feeling the tension, I just try to breathe into it and relax my body. And I can feel it dissipate. I can feel it get lighter. Um, there's so many ways to connect to the earth and find healing. And um, another practice is simply gratitude. I look at the trees and, you know, before they were just trees. <laughs> but as I was more conscious and really thought about the fact that we are breathing in the oxygen that they produce all the time. And we are literally made of that oxygen in a way. It's keeping us alive. And likewise, they are actually taking in our CO2. They take in our CO2. It becomes the carbon that they are actually, the physical mass of trees is actually the carbon from the air. <laughs> it's not from the soil. It's, it's a very interesting scientific fact. Likewise, I don't know if you knew, knew this or not, but when you lose weight when you're working out, much of it comes out through your air, which is so profound in itself, which is why the breath, this adds uh, more depth to the understanding of why the breath is so important. Because that physical weight is a manifestation of emotional weight many times, or is related in a symptomatic way. Because if you're like me, when I am heavily emotional, I might overeat or eat the wrong things. All that to say, taking a moment in gratitude with nature and simply <laughs> appreciating the fact that this is what's sustaining us. Even if we are mismanaging it as a species, it's still incessantly in the heart space, right? The heart center, the energy center is green, the anahata, all of nature is green unconditionally giving, opening, and receiving, even when we don't do it well on our end. And so I take that in and it, and it gives me such humility. And it also gives me um, just bewilderment, wonder, and amazement. People ask me often, what inspires me? Nature inspires me when I really get a chance to sit and take it in. If you think about, uh, I think about it on the level of math, Benoit Mandelbrot, um, and fractal patterns. We live in a fractal universe, everything is broken down, everything is a, a bit of itself. And so if you look at the natural um, kind of shape of trees, the branching out, right? If you zoom in, they all have that same tree shape, <laughs> a root and two little offshoots. And our lungs look exactly the same pattern, except it's hanging upside down. And I always think of it as a holy handshake, right? Same pattern throughout the world, and you see how we're all shaped by this um, divine asymmetry. So, so much of that is very healing, and it's also unifying. And it's encouraging because I think just the same way that all of nature is supported by a power bigger than me, so am I. So in the moments when I struggle to surrender my hurt, my pain, my old ideas for new ones, that also inspires healing. And so I take that practice in as well. Daily gratitude, osmosis, 
and intentional uh, walking meditation with nature brings a lot of healing for me. Let's see. All right. Let's see. Maybe we'll do one more question. to find the courage to face your biggest fears. That's a good one. Um, that's good. Maya Angelou has a quote and she says of all the virtues, courage is the most important virtue because without courage you can't practice any of the others consistently. You can practice anything erratically but nothing consistently without courage. And that it just resonates so deeply because I think um, I'm most thankful for my courage because that's what's helped me to work through many difficulties in my life. The courage and the faith in something bigger than myself. And so I approach it in a couple of ways um, as, far, as far as finding the courage to face your fears. One, I get... Um, I try to distill it down into simple logic. Um, I think about the relationship between emotion and imagination. And to me, fear is just the imagination turned against you. So if I'm afraid of heights, um, I might assume that anytime I'm up high, I'm going to fall to um, injure myself. And it's, it could happen. <laughs> um, and there's so many other things that could happen, but it's probably pretty unlikely because if I'm that high, I'm going to be very cautious. I'm going to be pretty mindful. And um, also recognizing if it's another fear, something that I've never experienced before, just acknowledging the fact that I don't know <laughs> how I'm going to feel when I do this thing. Um, and I think back to the other times when I had great fear. So one of those moments for me as a kid, my family... Um, a lot of musicians and so we performed a lot and as a young child I was afraid to be in front of people I my dad was trying to get me to play guitar I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to be in front of people and finally there was one day where I felt a strong calling to, to pick up the instrument and when I did I loved it I had so much joy playing and that joy superseded my fear of being in front of people and now I'm in front of people daily, and I, I um, am exhilarated by the um, ability to connect and uh, hold space for your journey and share from my journey. All that to say, every time I've connected to my fear and faced it, I found more joy. So I feel like fear and love are to me, joy is directly connected to love. They're two sides of the same coin. So if all you can see is fear, if you can get close enough to that coin to flip it over, now on the other side of that is deep love, deep joy. So I think about 
what is illogical about my fear rationale. I think about my history of every time facing my fear, feeling a sense of ease, love, and joy. And then I realize that action is the next step. It doesn't have to be from zero to 100 in one day. But if, you, if it only happens in your mind, then what's the point? <laughs> you have to integrate it into the way you live, the way you um, exist in the world and practice it until it is second nature. So I want to face my fear of a certain thing. Oh, maybe I can do this today. As soon as you have that thought, move, you know, give yourself, don't wait more than like five seconds. Just start, start something. Because if you wait longer than that, then you'll have the next thought, which will be the fear creeping back in. Oh, but you can't do that because X, Y, and Z and this and that and the other thing. And you'll struggle needlessly when if you would have acted what would have happened is oh I tried it I proved my fear wrong for a moment right even if I just took a baby step towards it and now you build your capacity for courage because it's a skill it's an exercise and so just like anything that you haven't been um, building up right if it's physical muscles you gotta start somewhere in the first few times you, you might be a little bit tender a little bit sore but stay in the practice. You have to um, hold true to the vision and focus of what you know to be true that's bigger than your emotional state, right? So, um, it's been a really beautiful morning. I want to thank you all for joining me I can't answer all these questions um, because now I'm actually going to go for my walk <laughs> and enjoy the morning while it's cool. But um, it's been a real gift, pleasure, and honor to share this time with you all. And I look forward to connecting with you all again soon. So be well, beautiful souls. And um, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Much love and light. Peace.